My name's John. Uh, I'm sure many of you know me. Um, I'm usually standing somewhere over here. Um, and yeah, so I work with Ben doing kind of worship stuff and uh, with the youth team. And it's really great to have the opportunity to be up here before you today. Um, I was actually um, at the Children's Weekend Away last weekend, um, and it was really fantastic to see all the kids really going for it and really enjoying worshipping God, and that was a really fantastic thing to be a part of. So I love all the kind of work that I'm, I'm doing uh, at Riverside um, and all the things that I get to be a part of. Um, how are we this morning? Are we good? Yeah? Yeah, fine, good, good, I'm good. I'm glad to hear it. It's good, it's good to check in. Um, things are not always as they seem. That's the kind of the, the crux of what we're getting at this morning. Um, we've, we've all experienced uh, someone, or perhaps sometimes been someone, who's sometimes maybe pretended to be something that they aren't quite in reality. Um, I don't know if you heard about, um, there's a story of a guy called Matthew Richardson, who, uh, this was a few years ago, he's uh, an American professor of economics, and he was invited to, um, to give a series of lectures in economics at Beijing University. Um, and, uh, and, and so uh, this Matthew Richardson flew out, he gave a series of lectures. But unbeknown to the, the organizers of the lecture series, they'd uh, got the wrong Matthew Richardson. And so uh, instead of this American professor of economics, uh, they'd got a fourth-year engineering student from the University of Oxford who thought, I could blag my way through this. And uh, so he flew out to Beijing. He thought, I'll see some of the world. Um, and he, he managed to, to give nine hours' worth of lectures um, in a subject that he knew nothing about with just an A-level economics textbook as his notes, blagging it in front of this, um, this, this crowd of, of Chinese economics students. And, uh, and he said he, he snuck out in a coffee break after nine hours when he thought his interpreter was, was getting a bit suspicious. Or maybe you saw this story a few years ago. This is the story, for those of you that don't you know, uh, this man is called Guy, Co Guy Goma, I believe. Um, he went to the BBC studios a few years ago um, for, for a job interview. Uh, I believe he's an IT specialist, something like that. Um, but there was a, a bit of a mix-up on the, on the reception desk, and uh, they were expecting a different guy, his name's Guy, uh, to, give, to, to give an interview on live TV news. And so, in the midst of all this mix-up, this guy, poor man, didn't really know what was going on and ended up on the live TV news being interviewed about uh, the music industry, uh, which he knows nothing about. And what did he do? He went along with it. Uh, he, he, he tried to answer all the questions as best as he could. He, he gave his predictions for the future of streaming and downloading, and it was actually quite accurate in what he said. Um, but you can see from the look on his face that it wasn't really what he had expected. In a, in a recent survey for the BBC uh, in November, it was found that over, um, out of over 3,500 adults, two out of five... Um, would fake a sick day if they needed a day off. And 66% would not tell their bosses if they knew that their colleagues were absent but not ill. Now, I'm not going to ask anyone here who would do that. 
Um, that might be a little bit too intrusive. Uh, so don't worry about that. But the report goes on to say, when questioned on their morals and values, people admitted to lying about sickness, stealing and taking credit for other people's work. We regularly pr pretend to be or to, or to, to be someone that we're not. Um, that is something that has become part of who we are as human beings. And even a few moments ago, I just asked how you were. Um, and uh, you said, yeah, good, fine, fine, fine. And I'm sure that is the case for, for some of you. For others of you, maybe, in all honesty, you're not feeling fine. Um, and, and isn't it funny that, that that's the kind of automatic response we give when we greet someone and say, hi, how are you? Yeah, fine, thanks, I'm great, I'm great. Well, actually, you know, maybe you've not had a great week. Maybe it's been quite stressful. Maybe you've been a bit ill. I'm a bit bunged up, as you can probably hear. But um, we often put up these masks, don't we? we? We cover our real selves in front of others. I don't know if you've watched this show recently, The Masked Singer. It's uh, become very popular recently. It's a new... Um, singing competition show, much like The X Factor or The Voice, but whereas with The Voice, um, the judges don't see uh, who's performing until they turn around. On this show, the singer is wearing a mask, wearing a costume, and so uh, apart from you know, having great creativity in, uh, in the costume department, um, the, the real uh, fun aspect of the show is trying to work out who that person is. They're all well-known people, behind the masks, um, and they all have great voice, great voices, which is fantastic. But um, uh, the, the real fun, the best part of the show is getting to see that moment where they take the mask off. And actually, everyone in the audience starts chanting, take it off, take it off. And uh, I know Andrew loves it, I can see. And uh, um, that is the, the best part of the show. It's not the singing, although they're great, they have great voices. It's not the costumes, although they're really elaborate. You can tell uh, they've, they've spent a lot of money on the costumes. But it's when we see who the person actually is behind the mask that is the real excitement behind it. So when do we present the real us? On social media, um, we, uh, we like to think that um, it's, a, it, it's an honest reflection of someone. Uh, we look at our you know, Instagram accounts, our Facebook, and we see pictures of other people having the time of their lives um, with you know, filters on. Um, and and we, we think, oh, they're having a great time. And we do the same with our own. We, you know, we, we make things look as good as they can. We only show the best bits. But it's a skewed version, isn't it, of the real of us? We have the ability to tailor our own truth to how we would prefer it to be. And we heard only this week of, of the, the death of Caroline Flack, the TV presenter who um, was uh, under enormous pressure to present an image of herself, um, which just wasn't true. Um, and, and the struggle she was facing was completely hidden from view. And we, we read the other day in the news of how she'd planned to publish a really real, honest Instagram post about how she was feeling. But um, her advisors, her team had advised her against posting it. And isn't that funny? You know, we want to be real, but we're told actually, no, that's, you shouldn't be doing that. I wonder how do people view you? And how does that impact your actions? See, we all present an image of ourselves. The question that I have is how close is that image to reality? 
How authentic are we really being? How much do our words fail to match up with our actions? Now, there's a, a widespread belief um, that uh, the church is full of hypocrites. Um, and with good reason, you know, you, just a quick Google search and you find countless stories of, of Christians who've messed up, who've got it wrong, uh, often with really devastating consequences. Um, now, I, I like my language, so let's look at this word hypocrite. The, the original Greek means an actor, a stage player, or quite interestingly, an interpreter from underneath which when you think of Greeks performing with masks on, makes quite a lot of sense. It's an interpreter from underneath a mask. And uh, in a sense, the church is full of hypocrites. Um, it's totally correct. You know, Jesus said, uh, let he who is without sin, or hypocrisy, we could say, cast the first stone. In other words, none of us are perfect, are we? I'm not perfect. Would anyone claim to be perfect? I'm not sure that... We would. And God knows that we're never going to get it right. That's the beauty of it. He's designed us to be the way that we are, to have choices and make decisions, and he knows that we're never going to reach the mark, unfortunately. So it's what we do with that that really matters. You see, biblical Christianity, it's not about pretending that we're super holy when really we're far from it. It's about recognizing our need for forgiveness um, through God's grace and holiness made possible through Jesus and his sacrifice. And I love the, um, the picture that is often given of the church, not as a uh, museum for perfect people, but as a hospital for broken people, for sinners. And I just think that's a really beautiful picture because that's the truth. So often we look at church and we think, oh gosh, everyone's got it together. Everyone is a real um, perfect, you know, they've got their life sorted. But actually, in reality, none of us do, do we? Um, and actually, unlike many other worldviews or religious systems, the Bible is really brutally honest in this, um, in, in the failures of its Christians. We read in the, in the passage today of, of an example of that, how, you know, people in the church got it totally wrong. A quote which I'm sure you've heard before, um, Gandhi said this, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And it's true, we're nowhere near perfect. Um, we wish we were, we wish we were better, we wish we were more like Jesus, um, but we're not. And um, the passage in Acts 5 provides a prime example of this, I think. Um, Luke, the author, uh, uses the word ecclesia to mean church for the first time, um, which really affirms this new community of Christians, of followers of Jesus. And it's also, interestingly, the first recorded um, sin of the church as a newly formed group. And so we read about how Ananias and Sapphira, they have a piece of land, they sell it, they give the money to the church, they claim they've given all the money, but really they've kept some for themselves, um, whilst claiming to have given it all. And then we see um, how, when questioned about it, both of them sustain this lie that, yeah, we've given all the money to the church, and they both face the same fate, which is quite a uh, serious, shocking fate. Um, and so at first, first reading, it can be quite easy, I think, to assume that the issue here is about kind of the level of generosity, you know, that um, how much 
Ananias and Sapphira give to God. But um, because we read about how they give money to the church, and uh, it's a commendable thing, just like uh, Barnabas in the previous passage, in the previous chapter, which we heard about last week, gave to the church and was singled out as a real model, as an example. But, um, but we know that that's not the case, that that isn't the, uh, the real issue of the passage. Uh, it reminded me uh, a little bit of the uh, story in the Gospels of the poor widow at the temple who uh, Jesus sees giving a couple of coins to the temple um, and how there are rich people around her giving large sums of money and looking down on her for giving such a small amount. And Jesus points out how the, the widow gave more sacrificially and was more generous with what, he ha- with what she had. Sorry, But the issue here isn't with, with Ananias and Sapphira, isn't their level of generosity. It's their integrity. It's the uh, authenticity with which they give that money. Peter says in verse 4, uh, didn't, it, didn't the land belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? So in other words, they didn't have to sell the land. And when they did sell the land, they didn't have to give the money away. It was completely um, theirs to do with as they pleased. And just because others, Barnabas, did so, it wasn't law. They didn't have to do that. Peter goes on to say that the problem is that they lied. He says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. In other words, they'd knowingly and deliberately made it seem like they'd given more than they really had. They tried to deceive. So they lacked integrity. In other words, they put on a mask, posing as sacrificial givers, posing as a Barnabas, whilst really not really wanting um, the inconvenience of it. They wanted the credit and prestige, but they didn't want the inconvenience of being sacrificial givers. What was their motive, I wonder? It wasn't to give God honor, was it? It was to raise their own honor, to make themselves look good, to benefit themselves. It was selfishness. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 is a great verse. Um, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Ananias and Sapphira might have tried to deceive the church. They might have tried to deceive the the leaders of this new body that was being formed. But they can't fool God. We can't fool God. We can't hide our real selves from God. Uh, Last time I was standing up here, I I was doing, we were talking a little bit about Psalm 139 and how God sees us and knows us intimately. Um, Fiona uh, was reminding me the other day of, of... how I talked about this coffee table that we've got at home, which is a really lovely, intricately designed coffee table, and how the guy who made it knows it, knows all the ins and outs of it, knows it intimately. And in the same way, God knows us intimately. He knows the ins and outs of us. And so nothing's hidden from God. So we can't try and deceive God. God knows the real us behind the mask. Verse 2 of um, the passage says, 
uh, with his wife's full knowledge, Ananias kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And now I think there are three points that we can take from this verse. The first is, with his wife's full knowledge. In other words, there's some collusion going on here. There's a deliberate act, a deliberate lie. They know exactly what they're doing. There's a lack of accountability, and they're deceiving the second part, he kept back the money for himself. It's not a fully surrendered life that Ananias and Sapphira are living. They are the only people in the account of the early church who are not described as believers or followers, which is quite interesting. They do not want to give all the money to the church. They can't do it. Maybe they liked being part of the church, but they hadn't fully given their heart. They'd not gone all into it. They hadn't fully bought into the idea of church. And they put it at the apostles' feet. They wore this mask of piety, of religion, of generosity. They pretended to be more religious than they really were. And we, uh, we read, as the passage continues, how their aim to buy a reputation for themselves backfires. Um, and it results in a reputation whereby now they represent hypocrisy and deception, all the things that Barnabas was, was, uh, was uh, opposite to. In Philippians 2, it um, talks of how we should do nothing out of selfish ambition, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Authenticity matters to God. Living vulnerably and authentically is ultimately an act of hospitality, isn't it? When we can be open with God and open with others. So how can we lead more authentic lives? How can we take off this mask? Um, I'm really excited because our, our very own Nikki, um, who was singing earlier, has uh, written a spoken word piece all about taking off masks um, and all about uh, what it looks like to be the real us in front of God. It's called Behind Closed Doors, uh, and we're going to watch it now. People talk about life behind closed doors, but my experience of that is maybe different to yours. Behind closed doors, people fix their hat, straighten up. They look the part. There's no doubting that. Small talk starts with successes, plans, political chats, eyes dotted, T's crossed, talk about this or that. Some cover passions, challenges or reservations but rarely the deeper, uncomfortable conversations. You see, behind closed doors, I see masks and holy mumbles, not the real, honest, heart-exposing grumbles. To get there, the outside becomes the place of truth. On the other side of the doors, where there is no roof, 
behind these closed doors is where the real is truly seen. The unmasked, unreserved version that's raw and unclean. But it's behind these closed doors where the saviour is found by the tree at the well, drawing lines across the ground. You see, the Jesus that I read of doesn't care for chat indoors. Inside, he challenged cultures and flipped tables onto floors. But outside, behind closed doors, he made an audience of one. He pursued the real person, spoke in love, a love compared to none. The person that he met here wasn't good, sorted, or blameless, but that's the version that he loves, imperfect in their messes. He never raised his voice here, but saw deep inside the heart and met with his love and compassion. The change began to start. Feeling loved and shown mercy, the human heart becomes set free and cries out in disbelief. How can he love me? And that's where it always starts. In the meeting place, in the outside in, with a real bruised and beating heart. Uh, a line from that that I really love is um, the person that he met here wasn't good, sorted or blameless, but that's the version that he loves, imperfect in their messes. How amazing is that, that God loves us just as we are? Why do we need to put masks on then if we know that God loves us as we are? Uh, I wonder, how do we take the masks off then? How do we do that? In the video, Nikki puts a mask on as she comes into church. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were taking our masks off as we enter church? And I wonder how we do that. I think uh, the first thing is, is accountability. We need to be real with God. We need to be real with others. Um, we need to be open. And what is prayer if not an open conversation with God of us pouring out our hearts to him? If we look back at verse 4 of the passage, Peter says, what made you do, think of doing such a thing? Now, it's clear that for Ananias and Sapphira, their fear of man was greater than their fear of God. Did they take their relationship with God seriously enough, I wonder? How seriously do you take your relationship with God? James 4, uh, verse 8 says, come near to God. And he will, come to you. he will come near to you. So what does accountability and vulnerability look like for us? How do we make that step to be more real with ourselves? I think life groups, small groups, are a fantastic way of doing that. When we gather together and we fellowship together and we share and we learn together and we grow as a body together. Life groups, community groups... Who has permission to challenge you, I wonder? Who is your Peter, your, your, your person questioning you? 
Living an authentic life means learning to share what's happening in me and not just around me. So the challenge is to be really, really real with ourselves. I love um, this quote from Charlie Maxey's book, um, which is a fantastic book full of amazing um, heartfelt quotes. What is the bravest thing you've ever said, asked the boy. Help, said the horse. And sometimes taking that mask off looks like being really vulnerable in our weaknesses. Sometimes it looks like saying, you know what, I'm really struggling and I need help. We need loving, gentle challenge, don't we? In Ephesians, it talks about how speaking the truth in love will allow us to grow. So, none of us are perfect. We're all hypocrites. Uh, we all deserve the same fate that Ananias and Sapphira did, however shocking it may be. But someone else we know died in our place, and we have life in all of its fullness. So, we choose to surrender all to God. Jesus was vulnerable and accountable, as were the disciples in the early church. And that should be our model, shouldn't it? If we want to chase after God, if we want to chase after what Jesus did, we want to be like him. We want to be vulnerable with each other. So, if you're here today, you're not a Christian, and you're checking us out to see if we're, you know, the real deal, the answer is yes, we're the real deal. We're not a museum of perfect people, but we are a hospital of broken people. We're all, um, we all mess up. We, we all miss the mark. And God sees you. He knows you intimately. He knows who you really are behind the mask, not who you pretend to be. And you know he loves you in all of your mess, despite all of your mess. And he offers forgiveness and grace. And so do we. So if you're willing to take off that mask, let's pray that God would show you his amazing grace, that you'd know him and that fantastic relationship. Or maybe taking off the mask looks like assessing how vulnerable you are with other Christians, how real you are with God. Do you tend to try and show that you have it more together than you really do in reality? How honest then is our chat with others uh, in, in our life groups, in our community groups, in our friendships? How real are we being with others? Could we be just that little bit more vulnerable, that little bit more authentic? There's a really famous verse, really well-known verse in Matthew, Matthew 6. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, it's clear, isn't it, that Ananias and Sapphira had it the wrong way around. They weren't seeking God's kingdom. They were seeking these other things. So why don't we discover the joy of not needing to pretend anymore? Uh, I'm just going to finish with an extract uh, from Nikki's spoken word, um, a, a later section of it. It says, Not the masks with the holy mumbles, but the real, honest, heart-exposing grumbles. The unmasked, unreserved version that's raw and unclean. The good, the bad, the honest you, which you try to keep unseen. 
That's the version of you I want to see. Not the who you think you ought to be. Because this is the version that Jesus sees and loves and gave his life for. And this is the version that tells the world of God's grace more and more and more.